leadership in cybersecurity isn't just about understanding threats. It's about leading a team to navigate them with confidence. At CPF Coaching LLC, we specialize in taking your leadership skills to the next level. With over 15 years in the cybersecurity field, we empower professionals and startups to reach unprecedented heights. Imagine having a personalized coaching experience tailored to your unique career ambitions. From strategic planning to masterful pitch and interview preparations, we're here to guide you through every challenge. Join us for our unique value proposition workshops or dive into our vibrant learning community for continuous skill advancement. Don't just be a part of the industry. Redefine it. Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching LLC today and schedule your strategic session. Hey, security peeps. We are back with another edition of Breaking into Cybersecurity. And today we're doing our 2.0 leadership edition. I am Renee Small, cybersecurity super recruiter. Uh, demystifying cybersecurity careers for the month of October, which is Cybersecurity Awareness Month. I am here with an awesome human being who you have, many of you have seen before. I'm here with Lydia Payne Johnson. Say hi to everyone, Lydia. Hello, everyone. Good morning. Great rising. Yes. So Lydia is one of my favorite people in the world. She Mm. is back. Privacy guru. Um, The last time she was here, Lydia had a different role. She's now moved into a new role. So we will talk about that. And we will also learn about, um, you know, some of this privacy news and stuff going on. And people are already saying hi. Hello, Coover. He says hi, Renee and Lydia. Yeah, we can't wait. Lydia, the last time you were here, you were here twice, right? This is the third time. Yeah. So the second time, people were still like, where is she? Bring her back. What's going on? <laughs> so they love to hear from you. So excited. Good day, Carol. <laughs> so we are excited to get started. So Lydia, tell us about, let's start off with your new role, and then we'll jump into like some of this privacy news, because it's all a lot of hot topics mm-hmm. going on today. So the last time I was here, um, Uh, or since I've been here, uh, I have been moved into a role at George Washington University. I am now the director of IT security, identity management, and uh, risk, IT risk. So um, yeah, it's it's a mouthful and it is a plateful of of responsibilities. Mm -hmm. Um, At George Washington, they um, did a, a pretty much an overhaul of the IT organization to go to more of a shared services model. And in doing that, um, they kind of reduced um, some roles, um, but then under this new world order, as I call it, um, they've they've moved, uh, actually picked up risk, which was not something that was part of their portfolio before. So I was really happy to to see that. I'm um, excited about that. We talked yeah. a little bit about that before, that it was kind of out there on its own. Yes, and it was. So to now formally have uh, not only a role, but also a, a director over that, uh, to build that out is has really been, been great. One of the um, tools that we brought in-house and we're in the process of implementing right now is uh, OneTrust mm-hmm. uh, around, uh, you know, GRC. Uh, and those that those of you that don't don't know GRC is governance, risk, and compliance, 
And if you're familiar with OneTrust, OneTrust has a bunch of different modules. And we actually purchased two of the modules, one for IT risk management, the other one for vendor risk management uh, to, um, to, to um, help us begin to stand up this, this risk program. The, um, the areas that, um, that fall under me is, you know, obviously security, which includes network monitoring. It includes uh, risk assessments, uh, application security assessments, vendor assessments. We also have training and awareness. Uh, I just learned that we now have policies, all the university level policies for, for the IT organization. Wow. Um, we, um, we do things like the firewall. We're, we're managing the firewall and um, uh, some of the data center aspects. And then uh, identity management is kind of speaks for itself, but is, is a challenge because the university is going through um, moving some of the areas to shared services model. Mm-hmm. And so um, when you're in a, a you know, like an organization like a financial services company, you know, either you provision access to somebody, if they change roles, you know what you have to do. If they leave the organization, they, you know, you deprovision their access. Um, at a university, though, it's a little more complicated because um, you could have somebody who is a staff member, but they're also a faculty member, and they could also be alumni. So chasing down all of the different um, access privileges that people have at a given time can be very challenging, um, particularly for people that have been there for a while. So we are, um, you know, we, we're trying to manage through that, but also um, the, you, you probably heard of the George Washington University Hospital. So the George Washington University Hospital is coming back under Wow. So the identity team is also trying to work through how do we start to bring, um, it's mostly what they called uh, the faculty associates back under the George Washington University umbrella. So um, that's been a challenge. And you've probably heard about the um, RIOC ransomware um, event back in September, mm-hmm. that affected um, United Hospital Systems. You explain, it, explain it for people who don't know who are, because for this month, we're really focusing on people who may not be in the industry. So for oh. people who, <laughs> so for people out there that don't know what that is, Lydia, explain it at a high level for them. So a, a ransomware attack is where, um, I'm trying to not use too much, too many technical terms, um, a malicious actor mm-hmm. is able to um, get into what we call a threat vector and, and install some, um, it could be software or, or something else that essentially shuts down your network. And, and they, they basically hold it for ransom. For ransom. And so if, um, you know, in, and a lot of times they want you to pay in Bitcoin, which means that you can't trace the money. Right. Um, and they basically, in, in order for them to unlock your your network and your system, you have to pay the money. And so, um, fortunately, that's not something that happened in this particular 
instance. Um, that, but it did mean that UHS and and the you know the hospital system needed to go in, take everything offline, and kind of start from scratch with a lot of their their um their yeah. and yeah. That's been happening a lot. I think more people are becoming aware of it, especially with the school systems too, with yeah. all the school systems being online and you know ransomware being involved. So hospitals and during this COVID you know right. situation with the schools that typically wouldn't be touched by this, um, or not as much, not as frequent. It's happening more frequently. So. Yes, Fairfax County School Public School mm-hmm. example mm-hmm. was a target of, of ransomware. So the challenge on um, the, the the GW University side was that um, somebody from the they call them MFA the, the the faculty associates on the hospital side could have they have limited uh, I should say they have limited access to our network so they could have taken their laptop that was infected and plugged it into um, you know the university side and that could have infected. The, the, the university. So, and then we would have gotten pulled into that whole attack. Uh, fortunately, that did not happen. But now uh, in terms of um, evaluating, um, you know, network, what are our protections? What do we have? How do we back up our databases? Um, you know, what, you know, how long do we, we, we keep things? All of that is is under review. And so the thing about being in the cyber world is that every day there's some distraction. <laughs> <laughs> it never ends. Every day there is a distraction. Uh, every day there are gremlins in the system. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, so the identity management team um, has a pretty heavy load in terms of just the normal provisioning and deprovision of access of people that are coming on board or as well as people that may be leaving the university and then figuring out all of these different potential roles that they they may have had in the system, as well as the universities going through this whole shared services um, review, um, which some people were not picked up. They also made some people apply for their jobs, reapply for jobs. So, um, and as organizations uh, are being uh, revamped and stood up, well then now you have to map people to where they are. Mm -hmm. So um, I I don't know that identity management and and sometimes it's called identity and access management areas really get the the due Mm -hmm. and the recognition that they, they, they deserve for how they kind of keep all of that behind the scenes uh, uh, work. Um, I would agree. I would, I would agree with you. I think that um, you hear, I, I had a couple of CIOs on here and they talk about keeping the lights on right? mm-hmm. and security kind of like being in the shadows and being in the background and people not fully understanding. You know, I was asking him about when you go, when you have, uh, why is it such a struggle sometimes with the budgets um, and getting the staff? Because you sound like you need a lot of people <laughs> come over there and help. <laughs> so all of you people in here, I don't know if Lydia needs help, but she might. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
so yeah, he talked about that and he talked about the fact that, um, you know, it's looked at as something in the background, something in the, you know, just keeping the lights on. And I agree that I think um, identity and access management in particular, you know, you hear, especially for security folks that don't understand any of this, right? They're from the outside looking in like cybersecurity, cybersecurity, and they just think it's all, you know, code flying around and people in hoodies <laughs> or, you know, pen testing, like, oh, it's all hacking, you know, right. people don't really fully understand what's going on. Um, and in your case, I think there's so much to what you just described is just fascinating because I was even thinking of, okay, what are the faculty members that are students and ones that, you know, like you said, alumni, but even the ones who are currently on staff that are students or they might leave and not be on staff anymore, but they're still right. students. Right. So, so many pieces to that puzzle to, you know, provision for that type of a person. Um, fascinating stuff, fascinating work. Yes. So, um, so, uh, the, the thing is, is like, while yes, it sounds like you need a boatload of people to, to get this done. Um, <laughs> Lydia shut me down. No, I don't need it. <laughs> well, the, don't reality, bother her. <laughs> the reality is, is, um, that, you know, George Washington, like a lot of other universities, had to uh, shift gears significantly with the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, in terms of the number of students they were expecting to, to um, come back and be on campus mm -hmm. uh, this, you know, this semester and now this year, um, it, it shifted significantly. Um, you know, we were fortunate in that most of the students that, you know, had raised their hands to, um, particularly freshmen, um, most of them have come back to school, but they're online. Yeah. Um, so in terms of, um, you know, what does that do to your, your annual operating budget? It, you know, it took a hit, um, took a hit because um, you don't have the students in the dorms. You don't have the students, um, you know, going to the, the businesses that are right there on campus. There's Starbucks, there's Panera, right. there's, right you know, what have you. And because the students aren't on campus um, in, in, in DC primarily, um, okay, so those businesses aren't really doing business. So you're not collecting the rent uh, on those leases. So there are, and then you had to stand up testing for people who are approved to be on, on campus. So um, we, we were all told that, what we got as far as staffing and budget is what we got. Right. Okay. That might change in the future, but there isn't, um, there isn't any uh, vision right now about, um, you know, our adding to staff to, to handle these, yeah. th this work. And the, the university president just announced that we will also be virtual in the spring semester. So, um, there it is. It is what it is. Yeah. So right, Lydia, we'll we'll hang out in the back until you're ready next year. <laughs> yeah. So, so start pinging me and LinkedIn um, <laughs> with resumes because <laughs> not yet, folks. No, so we take that 2022. 2022. Yes. Okay. So or 20 where, where am I? 2021 or the end of 2021. Right. So okay. Some people I want to shout out, Ben. Good morning. morning. Ben. Ozzy is here. Good morning to all. 
awesome people. Okay, Lincoln says, unfortunately, ransomware is a very lucrative and attractive business for threat actors out there. That's so true. Very true. So true. And, and, you know, in this um, state that we are in, um, where um, things are not as buttoned up as, as they would be under normal circumstances, it's very easy for threat actors to find um, so to find those openings and those holes, and and they're very busy right now. They're very very busy, mm-hmm. very busy. Sorry, my dogs are barking in the background. <laughs> we deal. We got phones ringing. We have dogs. We have kids. Surprise! <laughs> one isn't jumping around behind me. It is all Somebody good. Just rang the doorbell. So, um, so yes. Uh, so, if you want to handle it, um, Lydia, I can talk to folks while you, if they don't calm down. So they're calming down. Like they're so. calm now. Um, the, the other thing um, that's really exciting about the new um, GWIT organization is that um, there's this whole move around digital transformation. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we are all challenged with how can we look at um, what we do, um, you know, do we need to continue doing what we do, but how can we make the process better and how can we move towards a more digital digital um, environment, uh, bringing in more AI, mm-hmm. for those of you who don't know, artificial intelligence and business intelligence, and, um, uh, you know, particularly in the research um, arena, um, how can we uh, more effectively be competitive and um, innovative in that space and manage to the risks? Exactly. So Ozzy said it's effectively an enterprise. They engage in ph- philanthropy now, um, meaning uh, I think she's talking about the ransomware people. Um, let's see. Cooper says, Lydia, happy to help with your GU university security efforts if needed. I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) Eric Williams says, hi, Lydia. Lydia, we have so many fans on here. Um, Okay, so Brian says here, from a risk standpoint, university campuses are prime targets because both students and faculty aren't usually security aware enough while universities leverage a ton of infrastructure to dispense their numerous services. Ding, 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 ding. You get the prize, Brian. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a constant tension that um, I think security people have, you know, in the higher education space Mm -hmm. is that the university wants to push towards improving the student and, and faculty experience. And so what does that mean? That means we want to give them we want to give them Zoom. We want to give them um, um, all of the bells and whistles, you know, in the dorms. We want to be able to uh, um, have us be, the, you know, that that place of choice because you're getting all of these services and you're getting, you know, you have access to social media and you've got all, all the things that uh, corporations generally kind of shut you down on. Um, so it is a different... It is a different dynamic. Students and faculty um, don't feel that they need to be security aware. 
They just want you to deliver the services to you. Students and faculty also um, are the loudest ducks in the room. You know, they start complaining um, and fear of losing them. Uh, then the faculty, or not faculty, I'm sorry, administration says, how can we, how can we deliver this for them? And so um, it, it is a challenge. Uh, when you have um, research programs, for example, uh, you've got researchers, some of them are professors, some of them are students. They may want to use their own equipment. Um, I, I know of one a, about a year ago where he, he wanted to use his own laptop and he didn't want uh, a university issued laptop and his laptop was I don't know how many versions of a Mac it went back, but it went back to like, you know, the eighties. <laughs> um, first Mac. <laughs> it's my first Mac. And it's like, no, you, you, you can't. And, you know, then it became this, you know, battle mm -hmm. this tension. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then finally it was like, okay, do we have a loaner program? Um, and they, they did not. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, Chris is with us. Hi, Chris. He joined, Hi. Making a grand appearance here. Congrats again. Mm -hmm. uh, along those lines, um, how do you balance availability um, to resources with what true access should be granted? So I think a great guest Come, you know, future guests should be somebody from um, identity and access management. I agree. I'm not going to tackle that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Great question, but it's, it's um, you know, I, I know where my wheelhouse is. It's not that. So Eric Williams says a key element in securing attributes that can be used to target and identify individuals is curating the universe of access methodologies and elevating user awareness. Um, he also, in addition, adds the risk is not only inside the enterprise enclave, but throughout the life cycle of the metadata that swirls around each individual and repository of information. So you're you're at you're you're right, Eric. I, I think that the way to think of it also is that it's a it's a totally different dynamic than you find in industry right and and so um i i will also say that the 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 line that i use a lot that comes out of the safeguards rule uh the glba safeguards rule um, in the safeguards rule, it talks about how to um, look at the right controls to set up your information security um, uh, uh, controls in your program. And, and the advice it gives, which get, tends to get overlooked, is you have to, to base it on the size and the complexity of the organization. You know, it's not a one size fits all. So I, I agree with you, Eric. Um, I think you, you, though you have to do that sort of assessment of what do we have, what do we use it for, how do we use it, who uses it, who has access to it. I think you know awareness is a big part of it, and 
the higher education space is lagging behind industry as it pertains to security and privacy and all because they, they didn't have the same uh, pressure from the regulators that financial services and you know the health system um, health industry have had so they're now coming coming into it it's very slow and it's like turning an elephant around in terms of getting you know their their awareness level up so you know if, if you ever try to turn an elephant around you know you, you kind of hit the back of it and you you know an elephant kind of gives you this look over its shoulder, like, yeah, what do you want? Okay. <laughs> Wouldn't you say that also spans from the the open access culture that education has, where with that expectation that both faculty and students expect access to all these resources when they might not be entitled to the resources? Absolutely, and and it's and you know nothing wrong with having that access, but you have to contextualize it. And I think that that's been the failure. It's been, you know, just that we're just going to continue to 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 shower them with these toys and these gifts, but without that risk um, and accountability um, uh, story that that helps to frame it. Say, like, yeah, you can have this, but you can, you you have to be careful with it, and 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 you you can't just do whatever you want with it. Um, and, and here's why because it's a risk to you. It could be a risk to you personally, to your own safety. It's a risk to um, your, your fellow students. It could be a risk to the university as a whole. Um, it could be a risk to your access to getting your, you know, your, your, your coursework. So that's, that's where there's this catch up because there, that messaging has not really accompanied anything they've done for students and um, faculty with respect to access and IT support um, and, and, and the delivery of IT services. Right. And Lydia had talked a little bit about this right before you joined, Chris. Um, Jeff says here, in addition to criminal enterprises, in addition, criminal enterprises are standing up a thriving business of RAAS, Ransomware as a Service. Wow. Yes. Um, I've not heard of ransomware as a service. That's that's news to me. Thank that's you. a new one for me, yeah. too. Wow. Uh, Jeff. Um, but, you know, the reality, too, is that any time you, um, you have data and you have the kind of data that you have, whether it's at a bank or it's at a retailer or it's a credit card company, or in higher ed, um, you're going to have um, you're going to have threats to that data, and you you're going to have challenges to how do you protect it. Um, the the uh, the the thing that um, we you know are struggling with every day is. Um, how do you know? I mean, even the insider threat becomes a big deal. Um, I, and I would say it might even be more so in the, the university space than it is, um, you know, in, in enterprise. 
Lydia, why do you think, why do you think that? Why do you think it's more so in that space? Well, insider threat. Oh, and for folks who don't know what insider threat means, it's folks that are on the inside of an organization. And Lydia, if you want to jump in um, and do an explanation for, again, we're trying to trying to demystify this stuff. So for the 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 folks that are out there that don't understand what this means, um, go for it, Lydia. So insider threat. Um, some of you may have heard the term insider trading. Mm-hmm. And it, it's somewhat similar, except the difference is, is that these are people who have access. They're already on the network. They may be a, an employee. They could be, you know, in, in case of the university, they could be faculty. They could be a student. They could even be a third party vendor that's delivering services who has access to your network. Um, and so what they're able to do is they're able to kind of get in there and maybe introduce ransomware or introduce some malware or introduce something that is going to go undetected initially because they're already on the 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 inter, you know uh, I'm sorry they're already on the network. You know a lot of the your network monitoring is looking for what's coming from outside. You know they're looking at the threats coming from outside, but unless you have a mature kind of a either data loss prevention or some kind of uh, a tool that kind of monitors activity inside the four walls of your organization, you're going to miss that. And so it can be something that can go on for months and you don't know that it's going on. And then somebody catches it or some kind of hiccup happens in the system and suddenly you realize, oh my God, you know, we've lost all this data or we've lost um, uh, or, or the, the, the system has been damaged. Um, right. Think of um, Target, is a, a, the Target breach is a good example. Mm-hmm. The Target breach happened at the hands of their HVAC vendor mm-hmm. um, who, you know, because everything is is digital, because they were online, they were able to, um, exploit a vulnerability in the target system and start Get in. getting getting the, the credit card. Is yeah. Right. Same with another good example for people who um, you know may not be may not have remembered uh, the target one is um, this recent Tesla situation mm-hmm. that was kind of cut off uh, before the the employee went to um, I believe they went to the FBI. But someone came and offered an employee a million dollars to um, go into Tesla system and pretty much pull out um, information and data. And it was for it was an employee. Mm. So if the person would have done, you know, went through with it, that would have been a huge, uh, a huge situation for Tesla. Right, so, I, and I've dealt with similar situations in the past where someone will download a client list or marketing material or things like that that they claim that they're working at home for, but ninety percent of the time, within two weeks, you'll see a resignation, mm-hmm. and they think they're they're being um, crafty by downloading it before they submit their resignation. But um, you have to be on the eye for that. Um, Lydia, do you see education 
um, and universities adopting a zero trust methodology anytime soon? I don't think so. I think it's 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 going to take a little bit longer. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of the measures that have been adopted by you know industry is because you had a regulator breathing down your back, or you had audit breathing down your back, mm-hmm. and 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 citing you. And you know, there was also the specter of you know that being made public. And if you're a publicly traded company, you don't want that information or something that had to go into the annual report. So um, that said, um, higher ed doesn't have that same level of pressure. Um, They have been, I I, I would say that the, the government is starting to see them as a de facto financial services organizations um, because of the amount of um, credit card information and other financial information that they um, access either as a result of, you know, the tuition payments or even alumni donations. Okay. So we are starting to see where things like the safeguards rule is um, that there is now a safeguards rule for higher ed, that that you're starting to see some of those things kind of uh, flow in. Um, There's also a mandate by the federal student aid um, um, agency around um, you basically uh, assuring that you have the right controls in place to protect the data. Um, And if the colleges and universities are unable to do that, um, then they, you know, risk their, their student financial aid, um, federal, you know, the federal funding of their student financial aid. So we're starting to see that it hasn't bubbled up to the level of, um, you know, where th- there's there's great concern, but we are seeing some things. So I think it's going to take a little bit longer, Chris, um, unless there is something really, you know, big, like a Target kind of a breach or a, a Sony kind of a breach or even a Tesla kind of thing that 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 bubbles up and, and, and affects, um, you know, university. Because Georgia Tech, I think, had, I think they had a ransomware attack um, earlier this year or late last year. Um, and, you know, we do hear of, of other universities having these, um, these issues, but it, it, it doesn't really, um, rise to the same level as an impact as, you know, Equifax or, you know. Exactly. So Lydia, wow, we're almost at 35 minutes, which I anticipated with you. Um, So a couple comments and questions, and then we will let you get back to managing all that you have going on. So Brian says, one difficulty with 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 university environment is the idea of freedom, freedom of thought, freedom to explore, freedom to build. People who are used to being free don't like suddenly being put on a leash, which security tracking and access control requires. Like wearing a mask these days, huh? <laughs> People want to be free. Um, sorry, I had to go there. Um, 
I think I think that the, the the seismic shift that needs to happen with colleges and universities is in, instead of, of viewing them as just educational, um, you know, institutions, right? That 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 they really are mini businesses, and they're really mini banking um, uh, facilities, and and they they're almost like small corporations. You know, the they, the amount of 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 money that um, the bigger universities take in on an annual basis, not just on tuition. There's also research grants. You know, some of the universities, such as George Washington, have hospitals attached to them. They may have other uh, things. You know, the the um, the universities tend to reach out to um, middle schoolers and they reach out to, you know, elementary schoolers. They, they, they are really big um, corporations. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, they're also big data organizations. So um, I think that the, the seismic shift that has to happen is stop thinking them as the, these are just places of learning. They are. But when you really look at their their construct, they really are many corporations. Right. I think that's a really good way to describe it because I don't think people are taking that lens or that view. You know, they're just looking at students and professors and not all that all else that comes along with, um, you know, a university and a conglomerate, all the different things that are happening. So a couple comments. Um, Eric says the additional pressures of social media analytics on managing risk is like leading an elephant herd away from the <laughs> watering hole. <laughs> OZA, uh, they talking about RAAS, a ransomware as a service, very true, complete with customer service. And wow. Lincoln also says, yep, RAAS is big business. I need somebody to come on here and talk about this. Yeah, I gotta look into that myself. Right, this is huge. Okay, so Coover says a vital risk approach is um, essential. You could just ask me. <laughs> Are you the guy? You're the you're the you're the hoodie person doing ransomware as a service. A vital- I, I could tell you about it <laughs> next time. I'll interview you for our next. Uh, <laughs> a vital risk based approach is essential to any organization, academic institution, company, etc in order to understand the environment and review and implement the appropriate controls to mitigate the identified risks and possibly those not yet known. That's what Coover says. And then um, Eric says, as Lydia says, the risk of insider abuse of access is a critical security risk. Endpoint and user behavior analytics is really exciting area of the practice. I know if I was, that was my area. Love to understand about insider threats. Um, so comment on user behavior analytics um, real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, that, that, that's a really challenging area because um, to me, it, it, begins to, it begins to trespass on, potentially to trespass on um, an individual's privacy. Mm-hmm. And um, how, do you, how do you determine that, something that uh, somebody is doing 
is necessarily malicious? Um, how do you know somebody's not having some kind of a medical event? How do you know? You know, so who who's supposed to decide? And I, you know, when it gets to that, it, it gets a little, um, it, it kind of touches a nerve for me in terms of um, who's going to do that analysis. And, you know, are you opening up the company to more risk in terms of potential lawsuits? Right. Uh, and, and to truly be effective, you have to collect information feeds from uh, different domains, HR, mm -hmm. physical, mm -hmm. digital, um, and then try to create uh, a narrative. And that narrative might be biased based on who's creating that narrative. That's right. Exactly. Yeah, that's definitely an area when I did the insider threat program um, management certification a few years ago, that was definitely a topic of discussion um around you know the anonymity and having a sophisticated enough security um um practice like it had to be pretty pretty sophisticated and built out to be able to really um assess and put in a cohesive insider threat program that's not targeting people and what have you because right. you're right you know you, you don't want to infringe on someone's privacy concerns and then end up on the other side <laughs> with a lawsuit yeah uh, yeah, and and to Chris's point, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's to me, it's it's com comparable. It's comparable, excuse mm -hmm. me, to um, artificial intelligence, to the algorithms. You know, in in, in that um, we've we know that a lot of the algorithms are biased, and so um, you know, because the people that are writing the algorithms themselves may only fall into a particular uh, demographic. Correct. And so you run that same risk with end user um, analysis is that you have to be really careful that the people that are designing that, whether it's coming from, um, you know, the, the various areas of the company, like HR and, and physical security, et cetera, and, and security, that they don't have some hidden agenda, you know, and, and is, is that a reasonable um, uh, set of factors that you've, you've put into your end user analytics? Um, you know, like I said, similar to AI. So um, I, 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 I'm, the jury is still out for me on, on end user analytics. For sure. Well, Lydia, it, we're at 41 minutes, a ton yeah. of comments here, but I am going to stop. Um, I anticipated this because you were Miss Popularity last time. So <laughs> you know what I'll do. I'll just send you another link so you can mm. book yourself on for <laughs> the end of the year. <laughs> but I, but I, I do really, um, I, I think it would be really great to have somebody from Identity, um, you know, who works in that space. Um, because, I, again, I think that we, we, we talk about it. Uh, myself included. I don't know that people really understand a lot of what goes behind those, those doors, you know, and, um, and, uh, and they do such a yeoman's job. I mean, there, there are a lot of moving pieces yeah. to, to the identity space. I 100% agree with you on that one. 
So Lydia, thank you. We we didn't even get to talk about the good stuff, the news, Google, and lawsuits, and all that fun stuff. But a little bit of time to read read up on a little bit more. Yeah, we'll get to that soon. That's hot off the presses. But anyway, Lydia, thank you so so thank much you. for being for here again, sharing your knowledge, providing this insightful insightful discussion. Uh, thank you again for all of the wonderful questions and comments. This was really, really lively. Um, but like I said, when you show up, everybody else, you know, you got a little fan base here. <laughs> you got a fan, got a fan club. <laughs> well, that's great. It's great being here and, and seeing you guys again. I I really do appreciate the the comments and the you know the exchange. Um, mm -hmm. Just keep bringing it, guys. You know, it's, it's really, and, and, and ladies. Um. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Eric says, uh, you know, great discussion. Thanks, Lydia. Ben says, thanks for the great discussion, everyone. Yeah, this was good. It's a really good one. So, folks, we will see you tomorrow. We'll see Lydia. I don't know if we could get her again by the end of the year, but definitely in 2021. She's a busy woman. Uh, but for the rest of us, I'll be here tomorrow. I don't know if Chris will be here because he's becoming a busy, busy man, too. Uh, congratulations on his new role. <laughs> Everybody has new jobs. I need to, I need a new something. <laughs> no, your job getting is getting everyone else new jobs. <laughs> You're like Oprah, you, you get, get a job, job you, you get a job, job you get a job. Exactly, exactly. It brings me joy to have mm. all my gainfully employed friends. This is how I know if I ever need a loan, who to call. I got lists and lists of people. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, folks, it has been awesome. We will see you tomorrow with another edition of Breaking Into Cybersecurity. Bye, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. In the rapidly evolving world of cybersecurity, your business needs a guide that's as dynamic as the threats you face. CPF Coaching LLC delivers unparalleled expertise to elevate your cybersecurity startup or business with a decade and a half of specialized experience. We're not just advisors, we're your strategic partners in growth and risk mitigation. Our tailored advisory services range from immediate hourly guidance to comprehensive three or six month packages, all supported with encrypted messaging for real-time assistance. For more information, cpfcoaching.com is your destination. Forge a path to success and distinction in the cybersecurity landscape. Connect with CPF Coaching LLC today and secure your business's future.